Hey, you're listening to Blue Jean Church's podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about Blue Jean Church in Selma, Alabama, visit us at www.bluejeanselma.com. Uh, and we had a leaders meeting, a retreat, and uh, there's some really cool things happening uh, with Blue Jean, and uh, I am really excited about it. I mean, for real. I'm not just saying that. Y'all know me. You know, I can take just the littlest thing. Our kids just mess with me all the time. They're like, Dad, you know, we'll taste something and it'll be good. And you'll say, this is the best thing you've ever seen in your whole life. And, you know, they don't believe me anymore. But when I say I'm really excited, I really am excited. Okay? But I was thinking, you know, I don't want to just do a report from our leaders meeting and tell you that it, 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 there needs to be more than that. And so I was like, Lord, how do I present this in a way that is spiritually um, right, but also gives some information of what some cool things that happened because there were only like six people, six or seven people there. And so um, here's how we're going to do it. The Lord kind of, I was asking him, how do I do this? And it happened Saturday morning. Okay? So, Lord, anoint this in Jesus' name. All right. About a month or two ago, I had a, a Teen Challenge guy uh, ask me on a Wednesday night, can we come to your cabin and cook shrimp and that kind of thing and have a shrimp boil at your cabin and spend the night? And I said, of course you can. Uh, but I said, if your people and leadership at Teen Challenge will let you, you absolutely can. And so I'm thinking, they're not going to let them come. You know, so I'm thinking, don't worry about it. Well, Joseph Smith approved it. And, uh, and so I was like, okay. And he said, are you, are you going to be there? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. All right. And so I chaperoned 25 dudes uh, Sunday afternoon evening, Sunday, uh, I mean, Friday evening, Friday night, and then Saturday till about two yesterday. It was glorious. The, those kids, when they get out of the van, they're like puppies. If you've ever seen puppies, you know, when you let them out, they just all run and scatter everywhere. They're just running. And uh, they swam. They jumped out of the tree, the swinging tree. They, they did a slippy slide. I did it a couple of times. I still got a sore shoulder from it. Uh, they cooked. They cooked, and they cooked, and they had a great time. And some really cool things happened that night. Uh, we had a fire, and so they're sitting around. They began to tell their testimonies. And one guy in particular was talking about how uh, he, his mother and father were both dysfunctional. His father was abusive and an alcoholic, and his mother was on drugs. And mother liked the youngest child, the father liked the oldest child, and he was the middle child and just never measured up. And his dad, when he was drunk, would tell him that. And, but he was smart. And so he got on drugs in high school and ended up doing well in school in spite of the drugs, got, got uh, accepted into Samford's pharmacy school. Three days before he gets into pharmacy school, he gets in a, a fight with his roommate. Somebody's nose gets broken. Police get involved. 
and the roommate tells on him, calls, uh, calls Samford and says he's, he's got drug issues. He doesn't get to go to Samford. And so he spirals down into just a mess. Ten years later, and he basically gets raised by grandparents. His grandparents die, and he's devastated. I've seen him in here on Wednesday nights just boo-hooing because he says, I'm just alone. I don't have anybody. All right. So I hear that story, and I'm just like, my lips just like, wait, 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 wait. No, this is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Okay. But I'm thinking, he's got a dream. He's got a purpose. There's meaning in his life. It's not over until the fat lady sings, and in that, in that metaphor, Jesus is the fat lady. And he's not ever going to sing on our dreams. Our dreams never die. He's the one that gives life and brings life. And so I'm thinking that, and the time's not right to say anything, but I'm thinking a little bit later on, I'm going to revisit that with this young man. Uh, another kid, um, same kind of thing. You know, he's really smart, smartest kid in his class in a big school. Uh, gets on drugs. His parents are on drugs. There's dysfunction all over, chaos. He gets kicked out of school because of drugs. They, he he re, is rebellious, and he says, well, I'm show y'all to his parents that are dysfunctional, and they're not together. He basically leaves home, graduates from high school while he's living in his car, doing drugs. And he goes from being the valedictorian to you know, not so good, and goes through, I mean, he's got burn marks on him, suicide marks on him, all kinds of stuff. Sweetest kid you'd ever want to be around. First time he walks in here, he won't even look at you. He won't respond. He's like a puppy that's been mistreated that doesn't know that it can trust someone, and so it runs or stays away. And, and doesn't make eye contact and that kind of thing. And I've seen him warm up and become normal because of love and, and trust. I see it coming, and he's begun to do that to me. Uh, two Wednesdays ago when Debbie was here, Debbie Andrews got a word from the Lord and came up here and said, anybody needing prayer? We had really a Holy Ghost rodeo for about 30 minutes. And this boy, I think for the first time, um, experienced the love of God. He just was wrecked that right here on Wednesday night. And one of the things he said in his testimony uh, around the fire that night was, he said, I have, I, when I came here, I had no purpose, no meaning, no vision, no nothing. I was just a mess. I was alone. I don't have anybody. Um, no, 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 nothing, no future. I don't even know where I'd go if I, let, if I left Teen Challenge. And, uh, and I thought, well, you're going to have vision. You're going to have purpose. God has purpose for you and vision for you. Okay, and so I'm thinking, that's how we intro our leaders' retreat. And so I want to spend a minute looking at the Scripture, talking just a minute about how God operates. And it's all out of the Word. It's straight up. We can look at it and we can see, hey, these are patterns of how God operates.
And so let's take a look at it. Let's look at some scripture. And then we're going to end with a few minutes of giving you a brief overview of some of the things that happened at our leaders retreat. We felt like Josh and I, particularly Josh, I thought it was very good. He said, you know, it'd be wisdom to share a little bit because if some, some things get out and, and, you know, it might hurt some people's feelings or make people feel like, hey, I'm not informed. And I was like, great word, Josh. We'll just talk about it. We'll tell people what kind of happened. And I, 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 that's such wisdom and uh, an effort to communicate better. So here we go. Check out. Uh, Proverbs, golly, I didn't write the verse down. It's 29, I think it's 18. I think, forgot to write the verse down, but I wrote the Proverbs 29. Got it underlined. Um, in the King James Version, it is, it's verse 18. The King James Version says this, Without vision, my people perish. The NIV says this, Where there is no revelation or vision, the people cast off restraint. You ever seen uh, dogs on leashes and you let them go? You know, yesterday we were walking through the woods with some of the Teen Challenge guys, and we saw three little armadillos running through the woods. And my dog, my Sam, when he saw him, he was like, I already had pounced on him to hold his collar because he would have torn them up. And, like, I'm holding him, and he's just, and the other dogs were holding him. If we'd let those dogs go, they'd have been all over the place. Well, that's casting off restraint. I restrained him. If you let, let them go, they're going to be all over they're not going to have any direction. They're not going to have any movement. It's just going to be like herding cats, right? And so that's what the Lord tells us is without vision, without purpose, people just kind of wandering around, kind of flopping around, right? Okay, next thing. Look at, we all know this one. It's on my wall in my office. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's one of my life verses. When I first started walking with the Lord, I read this, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that God had plans and purposes for my life, that for real, for real, he did. And then if I sought him, he would show me the way. And so here, here's what he says in verse 11, chapter 29 of Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. They're plans to give hope and a future. And then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I'll be found by you. And I will bring you back from captivity. And so, think about that. I mean, think about that. The Lord's got a plan. He's got purposes. He's got a plan. He knows the plan. He's got the plan for each person here and for organizations and churches. He has plans and purposes for each church and each person. I mean, if you are sitting here and you're breathing, he's got a plan and a purpose for you. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how bad we've messed up or what we struggle with. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. 
King David says, you know, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You knew me before you formed me in my mama's stomach. You knew me. And you've got a plan and a purpose for me. And so I'm like, that's so cool. That's so awesome. You look through the Scripture, and we don't have time to go through all the Scriptures, but you can look through the Scriptures, and there is a pattern of this in the Scripture. With Moses, he comes to Moses. If you want to look it up, it's in Exodus 3, 9 through 12. He comes to Moses, and he says, I want you to set my people free. I want you to bring them out of Egypt. And Moses is like, what? Are you talking to me? I can't even talk right. And, and the Lord says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And so right there, Moses gets purpose. He gets meaning. He's been given purpose, and God begins to implement the plan to fulfill the purpose. Check out Joseph, uh, Joseph, the prince of Egypt. You know, he has the dreams of everybody, his brothers bowing down to him. They get mad at him. They don't like him. They throw him in the, the pit. Y'all know the story. He gets taken to Egypt, sold in slavery, ends up in prison, ends up interpreting Pharaoh's dream and becomes the number two person in all of Egypt. And there's a famine. And, Mo, and God gives Joseph the wisdom to, to know how to store food so when the famine hits, Everybody won't die. And his family is in an area that doesn't have food, so they come to Joseph. Long story short, Joseph is reunited at some point with his father and his brothers. His dad dies, and, Joseph, and Joseph's brothers are like, okay, here it comes now. Dad's been protecting us, but he's gone. Joseph's going to wear us out for what we did to him. And they say that. And Joseph says to them, you know, you shouldn't be afraid. This is in chapter 50, verse 19 in Genesis. Joseph says, don't be afraid. He said, what y'all intended to do to harm me, and you intended it for evil, he says, God intended it for good. He, he was going to use that for good. God had a plan. He had a purpose. And Moses, I mean, Joseph realized that the reason it all had happened was to save the people of Israel. God had a plan. He had a purpose. And it played out. Nehemiah, his purpose was to rebuild Jerusalem. And he gets there. And in one of the verses, it's Nehemiah 2, verse 12. He says, I, haven't, hadn't told, I didn't tell anybody in Jerusalem what the plans and, and the purposes that God had placed in my heart when I got here. God put plans and purposes in Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Okay? Y'all see in a pattern, plans and purposes. Gideon. Y'all remember the story of Gideon. The Israelites are on the business end of the Midianite stick. They're whipping their tail all the time, killing people, burning, burning livestock and, and, and stuff. And it's terrible. They're crying out to him, and God comes to Gideon and says, Hail, mighty warrior, go in the strength that you have. I'll be with you, but you're going to save my people from the Midianites. And that's in Judges chapter 6, verse 14 through 16, if you want to look at it. All right, and so Gideon, Gideon's like, got purpose. His life has meaning. There's vision now. Where before he was a chicken liver in a wine press, and I'd have been there right with him, 
He had no purpose, no confidence, no direction. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, you got purpose. You got vision. You got meaning. I got something I want you to do. Think about Peter. Peter's fishing. And Jesus shows up. This is in Matthew uh, or Mark 1, 17. Jesus shows up and says, hey, Peter and Andrew, I know y'all are fishermen. But he said, you come hang out with me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Boom, purpose, vision. goes from just being an old fisherman to bringing people into a living relationship with Jesus. Purpose, vision. Um, in Matthew 16, uh, 17, verses 17 and 18, Jesus says to Peter, his name's Simon. And Jesus says, your name now is going to be Peter. You're the rock, and I'm going to build my church on you. Boom, right there, vision, purpose. The Lord speaks it into Peter. And so all of a sudden, he's got a new vision, a new purpose, a new meaning, right? And then think about Paul. Paul's killing Jews that believe in Jesus. He's on the way to Damascus to kill a bunch more and and arrest them. And Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus and says, why are you persecuting me, Paul? This is in Acts 9, verse 15. And Jesus talks to Ananias and he says, go lay your hands on Paul and anoint him. I'm going to fill him with the Holy Spirit. He's going to be my instrument to bring my message to the Gentiles. Boom. Vision, purpose. Paul goes from this direction, 180, to that direction. Sound familiar? All of a sudden, you got vision. All of a sudden, you got purpose. And what you were doing this way, all of a sudden, you're doing something different. All where, where there's been discouragement and depression and, and fear and loneliness and misery and no purpose just wallowing around in life, all of a sudden when God speaks vision and purpose to somebody or something, life comes up. Passion begins to come up. You can see it happen. You can. It's crazy. Okay? God's the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. That's Hebrews 13.8. Well, if he's the same, all these people... All these people that he jumped on with purpose and, and plans and all that, guess what? He's going to do the same thing for you and me. Same thing. Because he's no different. This is what he does. He has chosen to give us the privilege and the opportunity to partner with him to advance the kingdom so people will love Jesus. <laughs> That's simple. We are talking about... Uh, Giglio this morning. I love how he just makes things simple. That's simple. It's it's about Jesus. It's about people experiencing the love of God in Jesus and then loving him back. And everything flows from that. Purpose, vision, it all flows from that relationship. Okay? The other thing that is so powerful and so key is that not only does he give vision and purpose, he directs. And let me stop for just a second and finish the story about the Teen Challenge Boys. I got ahead of myself for a second. So that morning, after I've heard both of those examples of of young men that had no vision, no plan, no purpose, no meaning, 
lost alone. As my mama used to say when I'd whine in the summertime, son, you're a bag of misery. Go outside and play. Okay? They, they're just kind of life's just a bag of misery for them. Um, we're walking. They, some of them wanted to see some of the trails that I have out in the land. We're walking, and the boy that wanted to be the pharmacist, we're walking along the road, and I said, hey, I'll say Joe. I said, Joe, you know, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, how long has it been since you got rejected for pharmacy school? And he said, well, it's been 10 years. And uh, I said, you know, I would pray into that if I were you. If that's still a desire of your heart, I bet God will make it happen for you. Because that's a dream. That's a vision. That's purpose for you. God's got that in you. He put it in you before you were born. It got covered up by a bunch of gradu of life. Drugs, some of it your fault, some of it not. It got covered up. But when Jesus shows up in someone's life, he says, and it breathes life into it, knocks the dust and the dirt off of it, and dreams that you thought were dead come alive. I could see it going in the boy. You know how sometimes you can see somebody go from hopelessness to hope? I see it in court a lot. I saw it. It went in him. And I said, I wonder if I'd maybe pray into that, because I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your life, but if that's still a desire, if that's still a dream, take a step. Find out. You know, and you got counselors at, at Teen Challenge that can help. I'll be glad to help. But I'd be willing to bet God's going to resurrect that dream. That's what he does. He's got resurrection power for you. And he was like, you really think so? I said, I know so. The other boy that was really smart, that had marks all over him, he showed me cigarette burns all over him. I said, son, why'd you do that? He said, because I wanted to feel something. Just felt nothing. I just needed to feel something. He had long scars where he'd cut his, tried to kill himself. And so I'm talking to him and, uh, that morning, sitting by the fire. And, and I, I said, what, what's your vision for your life? And he said, you know, all I've ever wanted to do is take care of people. That's really, that's really my heart. I just love taking care of people. And I said, that sounds like something like a nurse or something. And he said, well, I had the highest GPA in my high school class before I dropped out. He said, I got my high school diploma. And he said, I've got a year of college under my belt. I said, son, you could be a doctor. You could be a nurse. You could be a medical professional. You know, once you get this foundation of sobriety under your belt, the, the possibilities are endless for you. And I said, why don't you think about that? And you could just see it. It's like, oh, my gosh, where there was no vision, where there was no purpose, and they were just kind of wallowing around like people with no restraint, all of a sudden you could see, Oh, dreams aren't dead. And I'm like, no, they're not. 
Jesus does that. That's, he's, the, he's the guy that does that. And so, I saw this happen yesterday. What the, the principle that I'm describing to you, it happened to two people that I saw yesterday, okay? And the cool thing for me is that it's not only does God give us vision and purpose and have plans, He also directs our path and empowers us to fulfill the vision and the dreams and the plans that we have. And I told those boys that. I said, God's going to help direct you. you but, but sometimes you just got to take a step. You got to do something towards it. Just one thing. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, my mama's life verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like with those boys, the example of those boys is we don't have it all figured out. But we're just going to take a step. We're going to pray into it and watch the Lord lead us one step at a time. One step. Um, John chapter 10, verse 27. It's another example where Jesus says, My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. It's like he's talking to us. He's showing us. He will reveal His plans and His purposes in our lives. If you have been struggling, I, I remember Mama when she got older. She couldn't do a lot of stuff anymore. But I've had two or three people recently come up to me and say, well, Dan Taylor was one of them. He said, I've still got the note your Mama wrote me. She wrote me notes. And, and she, he said, I still have it and read it all the time. And I said, my mama, when she was older, she couldn't do as much. And so she spent part of her day writing notes to people and putting a, a scripture in it or something. And he said, it spoke to me so much, I've still got it. And, uh, and so mama had purpose. She had vision. She was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm old as dirt. I can't do what I used to. What can I do? And it's like start writing people encouragement. Give them encouragement and hope. And, you know, seven or eight years after her death, Dan Taylor's telling me how much that meant to him. You know? It may not look like much to somebody, but to God it meant a lot because she was doing what he was telling her to do. And he led her to do it. God says, I'll be with you. His, his spirit will come on you. And you can see all the people that we mentioned earlier. Joseph had dreams. God empowered him. Moses, God said, I'll be with you. Nehemiah, God put the desire in Nehemiah's heart and gave him the wisdom to do it and the favor with the king. Gideon, he said, go, go in the strength you have. I'll be with you. Peter, Jesus told him, wait in Jerusalem for the power for the Holy Spirit to be poured out before, and then you'll be able to be my witnesses. Paul got baptized in the Spirit. Even Jesus got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Jordan River, and from that point on was in ministry. He had a vision and a purpose at that point and the power to implement it. Even Jesus. You know, I could give... We're not going to do it because we only have a certain amount of time, but I could give... Example after example in my life 
of where the Lord has spoken purpose and meaning and vision into my life that I've walked out. It's like he's so faithful. If you just say, Lord, I want to walk in your plans and your purposes in my life, how do I do that? What do you have for me to advance your kingdom and to advance the vision and the plan that you have in this area? How can I plug into that? I mean, my picture of Jesus is like he's up in heaven saying, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. Come on, come on, come on, ask me. I can't wait to answer it because it's so much fun for my people to join me in what I'm doing. It's fun. It's fun for him to have his children with him, loving on him, and then, and then him seeing more and more people that happen to him. And it's not work. It's not programs. It's relationship, and it's everybody has a vision and a plan and a purpose. And it's not heavy. Yeah, uh, you know. I mean, I won't, I won't even tell you the things. Uh, it's personal testimony. That'll be another time. We don't need to spend time on that. But I got them. I could give them to you. Where he said, this is what I want you to do. And then, boom, he shows me how, and I see fruit. It's crazy. So the point of that, let's wrap that part up. The point is, he's a planner. He's got strategies and purposes and that kind of thing. He's got them for you. He's got them for me. He's faithful. He will do it, guaranteed. And so if you've kind of been like uh, unrestrained like a bunch of cats and you, hadn't, you don't know which direction and you're feeling useless and you're not knowing if you got anything you can do or anything like that, uh-uh, get rid of that. Ask him. He's on his tiptoes jumping up and down saying, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. For real. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. Wouldn't you feel like that? I would. I'm like, oh, it'd be awesome to have so-and-so really, really, you know, passionate and walking with me. It'd be awesome. Okay. All right. As we said earlier, I mentioned God has plans and purposes for organizations and churches and this one. Okay? And so I want to focus on that in the next few minutes that we've got. Okay, um, when we first started Blue Jean back in the day, it came out of a place where there were people in life that were struggling, that didn't feel comfortable going to their traditional setting for church, and I didn't have a place to plug people in. And so we wanted to create an environment where people would feel comfortable that maybe didn't hadn't been living in a certain direction, certain way, or didn't have, uh, didn't feel comfortable or whatever. And so we created Blue Jean. And Blue Jean started as basically a worship service. Uh, great worship, absolutely crazy awesome worship. Uh, good speakers and mission outreach. That's basically what it was. And, and we... We were having so much fun. We'd meet, Mel, you remember? We'd meet at the, and uh, David Somerlin, you remember? We'd meet at the downtowner, a handful of us, at once a week. We'd have so much fun eating breakfast, none of us would want to leave. It was great. You know, we were just doing the do, having fun. But as we grew and as people were drawn to us, we began to realize that there was need for more stuff, I mean, one, one of the things I see Brett here and, you know, the Cummings and others, we've got children here. 
We've got parents that want children to become Jesus lovers. You know, we've got people I see, you know, they're the loving goods. And, you know, there, there are others. I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit doing that because I'm going to leave somebody out. I see you, Braxton. I love you. You're so awesome. You're my buddy. But, you know, we, we've got needs now. We've got to have, we've got to take care of our family. That's something the Lord added to the original kind of plan and purpose of creating an environment where there was free worship, authentic worship, where there was the words, word teached and, and preached, uh, where people grew and uh, enjoyed uh, the, the, the um, enjoyed God's presence. We valued His presence, and we wanted to change the community. Well, we've added to that at, at Jesus' instruction. I was sitting right here, and He told me that we'd become a church and that we, we were to shepherd His people. I think I've shared with y'all. And I said to him, looking at that window, I said, well, you've made your first mistake. I started laughing. I said, because I don't know how to do that. I hadn't been to seminary. I'm not a church guy. I don't know how to do that. And as I said it, I said, but here's what's coming to me. I'm like, you're the good shepherd, and you're a good teacher. And so you can teach me and all of us how to do that. And so I'm cool. If you'll teach me, if you'll teach us, we're going to be okay. And so we've, we've developed, we've grown, we've morphed into a church. And so, as y'all know, you know, we, we began to recognize our model has always been volunteers. We just volunteer. Well, as, as I said to Ann the other day, I said, I have three full-time jobs. You know, Blue Jean, um, all the policy council programs, and uh, Judge. And in October, I'm going to be done with Judge. So I just have two. But we, it was too much. At first, when it's just a little handful of things to do, we could juggle all that. But we began where it wasn't getting done. Things weren't being done well. It was, and we sensed it and we felt it. And everybody has. That's not a criticism on anybody. It's just me. I mean, you know, we just did the best we could, but sometimes you don't realize that you're, when you're down there in the trees, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know what I'm saying? And so you step back and you're like, oh, the problem here is we need more structure. We need more organization. We need, we need a foundation to build the house on, right? And there were some people that the Lord brought into leadership that had the wisdom to see that. Mel, you were the very first early over in on Church Street where you were saying, and we didn't know what, what it was, but that's what was happening. We were getting the very beginnings of growing pains. And so we met last August, and we identified the issues. We spent five hours in here. We talked about everything that our core values, but everything that was wrong. And, and we realized that one of the first steps that we needed to take was organization. We needed to get more organized and more structure. And here's, here's, the, here's the metaphor for that. The metaphor was we were at our cabin this weekend. Somebody was asking me about the cabin and if it flooded and would it fall and all that. And I said, well, here's how we did that. Our contractor, they brought backhoes down here and they dug trenches. And they put rebar and they put more concrete than the law would allow in trenches. And they built those pilings that you see with rebar in them 
with more concrete. So they'll withstand a major flood. We wanted to be close to the river, but it took them the longest time to do the foundation. And I was like, I want to see what the cabin looks like. You know, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. I want to see what the cabin looks like. This isn't fun. This isn't sexy. This doesn't, this doesn't blow my dress up. You know, this is just a bunch of dirt and, and trenches. But I knew that we had to get the foundation right so that it could hold the cabin. And when the storm came and the flood came, it would stand. Okay? I tell guys that are in recovery all the time that are like, well, I got to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to get a relationship. And I'm like, well, the foundation is your sobriety. You got to start walking with the Lord and you got to stay clean because this is the foundation. If this isn't right, nothing else will stand. And so the Lord is guiding us, His wisdom. You remember Proverbs, trust Him. Don't try to figure it out. Lean on Him. We do, and we did, and He'll direct our path. Well, He directed us to Josh and Mary and brought them here. And over the last, y'all hadn't been, well, this is like a year. This weekend is a year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, they came as interns and then very quickly realized the giftings that they had. And and so we hired Josh in September to help do the administration. And it's been phenomenal, the transformation. What used to take two months to fix a toilet only takes two days. It's crazy, you know. And, I mean, just millions of things. We're going to get a whole new roof. Uh, Our insurance is going to pay for it. You know, the whole roof, all these leaks gone will at some point after we get the roof fix all the leaks and stuff but those kinds of things are happening now and y'all may not know all that but just incredible advance from where we were and so with that said josh who has the administrative gift began to say we need to have a retreat where we can get away and we can talk about our purpose and our vision and those kinds of things for Blue Jean, and dream into it. And he taught, started talking about a thing called the purpose train. How about putting that up? All right, look, that up, Josh is a great administrator, but he sucks at drawing, okay? That's a train at the top, y'all, okay? I do too, Josh. I mean, you really are better than me, but I'm, uh, you are better than me. Nobody's as bad as me. Anyway, this at the very top is what I wanted you all to see. We did this at our leaders' retreat, okay? And we started out, Josh, Josh was explaining to us, and it's straight out of the Bible. Without vision, without purpose, people perish. The example of the Teen Challenge Boys is a practical example of what this represents, If we don't know what our purpose is, if we don't know what our vision is, we're not going to be able to do the tactics or the or the uh, strategies to pull the train. We're going to be walking around unrestrained. We're not going to have a direction or purpose or plan, right? Okay, and so we've talked about that, and the purpose, our purpose that we talked about, I think. 
And let me tell you who was there so you all will know who was there. And things will be changing with this because we changed the structure. I'll go over that in a minute. We're changing the way we do leadership here. We're going back to a biblical approach for leadership, okay? And so we had Avery, Brett, me, Ed McCurdy, uh, Debbie Andrews, Josh, um, who? Who? Rick, Rick. <laughs> My bad, Rick. I love you like a brother. You know? <laughs> Senior moment. Was there anybody else? Rick. Okay, Rick was there. And, um, and we spent, you know, uh, got there Friday around lunch, and we left a Saturday at lunch. And we, we really worked on this. We spent hours and hours and hours working on it, talking about these things. And the purpose that I believe it was Brett, Brett was it? I think it was you that said, we want, we want to, our purpose is to win the world for Jesus. And for me, the way I've said it all along, you know, I, I say it like this, my, my language would be, my purpose in life is to bring as many people into a loving relationship with Jesus and bring them into the kingdom as I possibly can before I check out. That's my purpose. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to live my life. And so our purpose is to bring people to Jesus. And, okay, so that's a pretty good purpose. Our vision is what? And our vision is solid. It's to see people uh, transformed, see people, the community, the church, and the community and the world transformed through the love and power of Jesus. It's always been our vision. We want to see Jesus' love and his power impact people and change them and change the community through that and the world. And we're doing that. That's our vision. Okay? And uh, the tactics are how. And the structure is our culture. And what culture looks like is we value the presence of God. We embrace the gifts of the Spirit. We want authentic, real worship. We want to be open to everybody and come as you are. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to clean up your life. Just come and encounter the love of Jesus, and He'll change you. That's been our culture all along, right? And so those are cultural things. Uh, our tactics or strategy, we talked a lot about that. One of the things you've heard us talk about, I'm really excited because there's some possibilities that are bubbling up that I'm going to co cover with the leadership group this week uh, is with our youth and our, our children. There's something that came out of nowhere that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Memorial Day weekend, but I'm going to send a text Tuesday morning. We'll have a Zoom this week, and we'll let everybody know what possibilities have just bubbled up. It's crazy so excited about it and it's a need that we've been praying into about our children and our youth how to do a great job discipling them and it's we're really excited i mean if ann says it, it's exciting it really is you're really excited right okay you don't have to believe me you can believe ann but uh, the tactics are things how do we accomplish these things how do we accomplish that uh, one of the things uh, our vision when we're talking about uh, trans people that are transformed are people that are healthy 
Families are healthy. You remember we did some inner healing this past semester, and it wasn't so we could just be weird and be supernatural and be cool. It's like I know people that get offended, and they take their ball and they go home. That's immature. That's second-grade bird school kind of stuff. But if we can help people grow and mature where offenses don't, don't, that's not the response. We have a mature, healthy family that works through differences that you're going to have when you have a family. You're just going to have differences. Instead of fussing and focusing on differences, we can agree on 99% of the things, and we have healthy responses of how to work through our differences. Well, that's inner healing helps a family grow up. It was a strategy or tactic on how to achieve our vision and our purpose. Because if you've got people that are healthy that don't get offended, if you're trying to bring somebody in off the street that doesn't know Jesus or somebody at your work that doesn't know Jesus and they come in and they are offensive or they do something, you're not going to be able to handle them. You're going to pounce on them, want to whip, whip their tail, and you're not going to be able to help them come in because you're not healthy enough to do it. And so the inner healing wasn't just out of the blue weird stuff. It was a tactic or strategy to help us create a culture of love and maturity here that embraces everybody. Because we got a we got a spiritual mutt here. I mean, we got people from all kinds of backgrounds. And it works, but it can work better. Okay? Um I want to talk just a second. Does that make sense? Okay. And structure, we've been working real hard on structure and culture. Josh being here, administrative piece, that was one of our weakest points. All right. Now, as I'm preparing for this, I've been praying. I've been like, Lord, I ain't got anything. I don't have anything. What, do you, what, what should I preach about this morning? And, and Josh says earlier in the week, we need to really share what happened. And I'm like, that's a good word. But that's only like a little bit. You know, and it doesn't need to be just a business report. There needs to be a tie-in to how God speaks and what He does with people. Okay, and so that happened yesterday with the Teen Challenge guys. All right, I want to say this: that um, at the leaders' retreat, I want to read here real quick from the Word, so you'll know what we're really doing is getting in line with what the Scripture says. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. Early church, young church, brand new church, growing pains church, starting out one thing. They're meeting in the, in the temple, just having fun, praying, worshiping the Lord, all that. La, 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 la. Doesn't it sound familiar? Like Blue Jean? I remember years ago, somebody said, are y'all at church? And I said, I don't know. We're having fun. We're worshiping our heads off, and we're doing some good things in the community, but I don't know. But we've shifted and grown into a church. Watch what happens to the church in Acts, chapter 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in daily distribution of food. Sounds like church conflict to me. Sounds like a problem within the church where everybody's not on the same page, right? Not a problem. Nobody's, I mean, this isn't necessarily bad. It's just 
people being people and trying to work together as a family, right? Okay, and so it says the 12, that would be the apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to do wait on the tables. And he said, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. The proposal pleased the whole group, and then they chose the people. Well, some churches call that elders and deacons. We don't call it that. We just call it, we're going to start calling them the elder team. And we're going to call the leaders team. And, and the way I read this, oftentimes in churches, it's like elders are up here and the deacons are down here. That's not what this reads. This says it's just different functions. It's like elders have a different function than the leaders. It's not this. It's just this. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody helps come together to accomplish the vision and the purpose. And everybody has a place to play. Everybody has a part. And some, we, we defined, I think, in our time that elders essentially are like shepherds. They pray. They pray for people. They, are te- they teach. There's a higher level of commitment and time on meetings and you know, uh, retreats and things like that. And there's, there's, a, there's a different set of requirements. And we looked at the Scripture where it talked about here's what elders are. And we summed it up. We said, well, that's a shepherd. And then we looked at where it talked about deacons. And, and we looked at the Scripture on that. We, we identified the characteristics and, the, and they're leaders. Y'all, we've got so many leaders here that are just primed to lead. But we are learning and learned, and I think we're going to do this. Debbie, I believe, and Josh are going to help with this, are going to do begin to gather up groups to take them through a little four-week course on identifying giftings, uh, helping people understand what our vision and our purpose is so everybody can catch the vision, and we begin to move together in unity. And everybody can find their jam. You know, one of my jams is Teen Challenge. I don't know why, but that's not heavy for me. I enjoy being with those guys because I, I see things and can call it out of them as, as I'm just sitting there just talking. I see things. That's not heavy. I enjoy that. Well, that's my jam. Well, I, I need to be involved in that. Food? I would go outside and let a Mack truck run me over right now if you told me I had to prepare food for blue jeans. And y'all probably would too because you get a bag of bread and a peanut butter and jelly thing. That would be what you get. Catherine Gilmer, she would, she's right on top of that. And there's many of y'all too. Matt Sands, oh my gosh, he loves to do that. Well, we talked to Matt, and Matt wants to be involved in that. Um, our, I want to brag on our guys back here, our sound guys. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Nick's been coming here forever. He's found his jam back there. He is so good at it. And I went, came in this morning, and I'm like, hey, I'd like to play this song. And, you know, and he was like, well, I've got this PowerPoint thing for you. And he's got nine million things going. And was so calm. I said, dude, are you dead? Like, how can you be so calm? 
when you've got so much going on? He's like, I'm not inside. <laughs> I am outside. He's so good at it. And then Tyler, oh, my gosh, Tyler, we're so proud of you. We're so glad God brought you here. You're the coolest guy. Uh, wasn't going to church. He and his sweet wife, Jessie, started coming to church. He's driving the van. Everybody on the van loves him to death. He's doing the words back here. He told me, you said this morning, I've got a purpose now. I've got meaning now. It's so cool. This church has meant so much to me. I mean, that is an example of what we're talking about. And I know, I know some of y'all, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave people out. But I just got to say, Roger and Pam have decided that y'all are going to do the inner healing certification. Because that's in your dog bowl. That's something that you're interested in and you're good at it. You know, well, you're going to be involved in that. It's going to be life-giving for you, not sucking the life out of you. And you're going to help other people get to know Jesus and love Jesus and be free because of it. And it's not heavy. You know, inner healing is not a big deal to me. I love that. And those are just examples all over. Everybody is a leader and has a calling and an anointing for something. You know, Miss Amy, I don't, she's out there. Y'all know what she does. She's like service to the max. She, I came in this morning. She's talking about a guy that y'all know that's been here that struggles with drugs. She was in tears about him because he relapsed again. She's just doing stuff behind the scenes all the time. That's her jam. She loves it. And so there will be opportunities, and we have a strategy or a tactic to help more and more people get involved in areas that they want to be involved in that are life-giving, and that will bring life to the church and help us fulfill our purpose and our vision. Does that make sense? Now, I want to finish with this. Um, we, are, we haven't been able to change the leadership structure much because we're kind of waiting for this meeting to happen. And we've got the structure, and over the summer, we will be implementing this. Okay? I want to pass on some things that I think are so exciting. I feel like the Lord's given me the eyes to see what happens. You know, when you get structure in place, it's like the cabin. Once the pilings were in place, once everything was done, the walls and the roof and everything just like, boom, in like 10 days, it was like, oh, my gosh, I can see what's happening. It happened so fast once the structure, the foundation was in place, right? And so I see that beginning to happen. Let me pass on some things that are so exciting. I just, you, you think, yeah, I'm going I'm to be like a Pentecostal and like run the church. That's what I want to do. I'm so excited about it. I got a call uh, Thursday night from Colin McConerty. We've kept in touch since he left six years ago. Y'all know Colin. Y'all love Colin. I love Colin. Colin got saved and filled with the Spirit here and as teacher here at uh, middle school went and finished his Ph.D., just got it. He just finished his dissertation and his uh, defense of it. So he's like Dr. McConerty now, okay? Well, he's going to be here preaching next Sunday, which is a woohoo, and he will be moving to Selma and be here at the end of June to live, to pour into our community as a teacher. He wants to teach at the middle school. But he also, he told me, I said, well, Colin, are you going to want to have a part to play in Blue Jean and that kind of thing? He said, I cannot wait to get to Blue Jean and pray for people 
for healing. I can't wait to do family. He said, that's my church. That's my home. Colin's blowing back into town, mature. He's been in a spirit-filled church in Boston for six years. He's matured. He's grown, and he's going to come back. He said, I'd love to work with the youth and, and them and anything else you want me to do. And you all know how energetic and loving and good he is. He's all in, and he's going to really pour into this place. That's, that's a tactic that the Lord is orchestrating to fulfill the vision and the purpose of Blue Jean. And it's just dropping in our lap. It's time. I don't know if y'all know him as well as I do, but look out. Look out. He is a love machine in the best way. Um, there are other things, possibilities for our youth and our children that I will share with leadership that I just found out about. Someone's interested. That could very be very awesome. And we'll bring that up. So there's movement there. And it's like really interested and really anointed with ideas and stuff. And they'd be really uh, a win. Uh, I'll share that uh, this week with them. Um, this new structure that we've got, uh, I can just see there. there's other people that are interested in coming here and possibly being a part of us. And no, no, nothing's been done about it. But there is a bubbling up of people to implement strategies and tactics to achieve our purpose and our vision and help us establish and, and uh, a healthy uh, culture that fosters that. And so when the purpose train is working well, we go someplace. Y'all, good days are ahead. I know COVID's been hard. The numbers are down. They're down everywhere. They're down here. Um, we've had us. We've had some setbacks, honestly. You know, with some people leaving, and it just hurts your feelings. It hurts your heart when somebody leaves, and that kind of thing. And you know, and you're just wondering, and you can, discouragement can come in, and all that. But I believe what's happened over the last year, the structure has gotten in place. The leadership structure is getting in place, and we're about to hit the gas and we've been given prophetic words Jason Hooper was one of them gave a 45 minute prophetic word four or five years ago right here where he said y'all are going to have to keep these doors open because this room is going to be full of people you're at this place he said two things he said I've been coming to Selma for a long time and he said the Lord showed me when I walked in this building that this is why I have come that he was going to really do something special here. And, Debbie, I'm going to share something you said at our leadership team. This will hope it blesses y'all as much as it did me. Debbie has been a pastor, her husband, and he uh, died tragically, and she ran the church and then closed it and then um, attended a different church, and then some things happened that were very difficult, and she went home for about 18 months and watched TV church. And she said she missed the fellowship. And she said, I prayed. I said, Lord, I miss the family. I want to go to church, but where do I go? And Debbie, you want to come tell them what he said? Yeah, come down here and just tell them. Tell them in your own words. That would be more powerful. Good. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, um, <clears throat> to kind of back up and everything a little bit, the uh, when I went to church, the pain was so great for me internally because of losing Joe. He was my pastor husband, our source of income. And then uh, when I'm uh, kept pastoring and stuff, I couldn't heal inside. So God said, I need you to shut down. And then uh, me, me and my two boys, young, we went to Pensacola and we were there. And then I haven't even shared all this, but just bad things happened. And it was um, a great pain. So I came up here and I just went through the process of not doing anything. And all of a sudden, God just says, I want you to go home. And I know the word. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So to me, that was against what he's always taught me. But he sent me home and he healed me in my living room. He came and visited me. I don't suggest this for anybody, <laughs> but this was where I was at, you know. And so he healed me. And I he kept speaking to me, you need to get back in church, you need to get back in church. And I said, God, I don't know where to go here. I don't know, you know, I had been to another large church here in town and stuff. And I said, where do I go? And I heard him as clear. And he said, you go to Blue Jean. And he said, because he knows me. And he says, they have a heart after me. This church has a heart after God. And it I'm just one of you now, you know, and it's just, it's been a blessing to be here. We wrap up, you know, the fact when she said that the Lord told her, because I know Debbie hears the Lord. She wouldn't say that if she didn't. And he said that these are people that are after my own heart. That blessed me so much. I got tears in my eyes. Now, that's not, that's not about any other church. God's probably saying it about every church. You know, that's not what this is about. I know we love us some Christ the King, and y'all are awesome at Christ the King. I mean, super awesome. We're like that with y'all. And honor y'all. Y'all just do things a little different, but love y'all. So this is not about comparing, but it is what the Lord said about us, that Country boy Eddie as I am, and all of us are, and is just plain and simple and, you know, not trained up and making millions of mistakes like I have and we all have, the Lord sees not the mistakes and not the inadequacies. He sees our heart. And he said that we were people after his own heart. That blesses me, y'all. I hope it blesses you. And he is faithful. We're going to sing a song in a minute by Josh Baldwin, my new favorite artist. And it's called Evidence. And he says, and basically I got it because he says, I see the evidence of your goodness all, over, all around. I see your promises in fulfillment all around. And y'all, I see it for Blue Jean. I know we've been through a tough season with COVID and all that. And the foundational work is hard. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But we've done it. And I think we'll complete it over the summertime. Get ready. Get ready for the fall. I believe, I believe you're going to see 
really incredible stuff, a fulfilling dream and vision uh, for Blue Jean. Oh, let's pray. Lord, we love you. You're so faithful. Oh, my gosh. God, you're so faithful. I mean, we're just like, we just, you know, we're just like little children. We just started this because we had a heart for people. That's all, that's all it was about. And we just wanted to worship you freely, and we just wanted to love you with all of our hearts. And that's how we started, and you've taken just a, just a mustard seed of our faith, and you're growing it into a big tree. Lord, we've been through some rough times. We've made mistakes. I've made some. We've all, we've all, but we're, we're here. And we, Lord, we are a people after your own heart. Nothing makes us happier than, than to hear that, that you're pleased, that you see us with all of our imperfections, that we're trying to follow you and bring people to that loving, living, powerful relationship with Jesus. Jesus, there's nobody like you. You're such a good shepherd. Make us shepherds. Keep, keep guiding us and, and directing us and showing us the way. I'm so excited. I've got so much expectancy about the future and, and what it holds. We're not sure how that looks, but we don't have to. You promised to direct our path, and we believe that. And we are beginning to see the, your plan and your, your, your strategy unfold so that we can fulfill the vision and the purpose that you've got for us. We thank you, Lord. We love you, and we honor you this morning. Um, In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope this message has equipped and inspired you to transform people, your community, and the world through the love and power of Jesus Christ. Whether you're from Selma or anywhere you're listening from, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us online at www.bluejeanselma.com dot com.